Welcome to Girls Camp Episode 1. I am your host, Haley Rawl, and I'm super excited. I have been wanting to do a podcast like this in some form or fashion for almost two years now, so to finally be here and doing it and releasing it into the wild feels very exciting, a little nerve-wracking, but mostly exciting. And if you are here from episode one, I'm so happy that you've tuned in. What I want to do today is talk more about what this podcast is, why I think it's important, who I think may be interested in listening, and even who may not be interested in listening. And I want to talk more about my intent with Girls Camp, kind of how I got here to doing this podcast. And then, because we will be talking about post-Mormon things, spoiler alert, I want to give a little bit of my own story, if you will. I'm not going to dig so, so deep into it because that would take ages. I'm sure I will talk about every single facet of that journey in course. But for today, since we are talking about post-Mormon things, I want to just give some context where I'm coming from personally right off the bat. Alrighty, what is Girls Camp? In a very small nutshell, Girls Camp is a post-Mormon podcast. I want to dig into that a little bit more though because... While yes, this is about the post-Mormon experience, I'm also going to be talking a lot about what it was like within Mormonism and then a lot about what it was like in the process of leaving, sort of the faith crisis, faith transition period of time. And I think that people who maybe are still in the church but are having doubts or concerns or are wanting to transition away from the church but aren't sure how or are afraid, I also really want this to be a place where you can come and we will be talking about all of that stuff. I also feel like because I'm now more on the post-Mormon side of it, I'm hoping to offer a perspective into what that looks like to have gone through that and be sort of I'll get into that more later, but sort of on the other side. And I'm also thinking that people may be intrigued to listen who potentially have some sort of connection with the Mormon church. Maybe they have family members who are Mormon. Maybe they live in Utah and have colleagues who are Mormon and are curious what the hell's going on within Mormonism. Maybe you have seen the TikToks of BYU students getting interviewed saying they would rather drink a full cup of cooking oil than a sip of coffee, and you are trying to wrap your head around that too. We are going to get into all things Mormonism, all things post-Mormonism, how those things relate, all the weirdness, craziness, good things, bad things, all of it. The reason I am calling this podcast Girls Camp 
First and foremost, it's a nod to growing up Mormon, going to girls camp every summer. I also wanted to create this feeling of pulling up a chair around a campfire with close friends. You're chatting about trivial, funny, day-to-day things, and then also getting into those really deep, profound life conversations. I want it to feel casual and cozy, and I want everyone to feel warm and welcome, and I feel like Girls Camp really evoked that for me, and I'm really hoping that that's how you feel if you found your way here. I know one of the biggest things about being post-Mormon or in a faith crisis, maybe even being in the church, but feeling like you have a very unorthodox approach, is that you lose a lot of community. And I feel like, as we all know, community is so important. And I hope that this can be a little community for all of us who have been a part of Mormonism and are now trying to figure it out. We may as well do it together. It's a lot more fun and a lot less lonely. I personally found that when it comes to the post-Mormon niche, a lot of the content and podcasts that I see seem to have and I don't mean this in a bad way, an agenda, and I think that's really good. I think there's a lot of content and resources and materials that are aimed at maybe education, talking more about church history and unpacking and deconstructing that. There are podcasts that focus more specifically on navigating post-Mormonism, and I am wanting to just chat about it I also am not planning on interviewing individuals and digging super deep into their own stories. I think Mormon Stories podcast has that covered, but I do hope to bring on guests to talk about different topics, maybe ones that they relate to specifically, and read through some of your stories with me and kind of share in the discussion and conversation. I will try my very best to resist the feminine urge to disclaim, but I am going to give a disclaimer right off the bat. I am not an expert at really much of anything. I'm not a historian. I am not a psychologist or sociologist or anthropologist. I am simply a post-Mormon gal who has been through it and is going to talk about it. I do have a degree in English literature from BYU, of all places, so if that grants me any credibility, I will take it. I say all that because I know that religion, Mormonism maybe specifically, is an incredibly taboo topic, and I have all of those same reservations and concerns about speaking about it publicly that I'm sure many of you do or have had, I feel like it's really charged. So while I think it's important to disclaim my lack of expertise, I do think it's really important. It's been a super important step for me to get to the point of actually being brave enough, willing enough, whatever you want to call it, to do a podcast where I'm talking about post-Mormon things. I wrestled with this for a long time. 
as many of my friends and my husband can tell you, I was having a conversation with one of my great friends, Jacqueline, and I was telling her this. I just was saying, you know, I so badly want to do this podcast. I want to create this community. I feel like it's so important. It's so present and relevant and top of mind for so many people, but I'm so worried about who I might possibly offend along the way or if I might disappoint someone or make someone sad, mainly people who are still in the Mormon church because I have family members, friends, people that I love very dearly who are still Mormons. And she said something to me that I wish I had recorded or written down. She is very articulate. But essentially what she said is, Haley, just because your experience and thoughts and opinions no longer fit within Mormonism does not mean you have to be silent. That was so huge for me because I realized that I was censoring or policing this thing that I really wanted to talk about because essentially it didn't fit within the Mormon framework, as she said. And I've worked through that and I've come to a place where I feel really good about doing this. But I think that it's been something really good for me to work through and have that paradigm shift that I do deserve to speak about it. You deserve to speak about it. Although it's taboo and it can be tricky, it's worth it. And if we feel shamed or guilted or any number of things into not speaking about it, it's going to create more isolation and it just robs us of the opportunity to connect and relate in the ways that we deserve. I have started to notice and sense a shift where I feel like maybe it's just the people I'm paying attention to, but I feel like there is more of an openness around sharing about post-Mormonism or even sharing about faith crisis or transition. It seems like there's more transparency in people talking about those things and I feel like that's such a good thing because I think there are a lot more of us out there than we even realize and because leaving the church leaving Mormonism, or potentially leaving another high-demand religion, it is so all-encompassing. It is hard and challenging. It's also freeing and exciting. But regardless of what that experience looks or feels like and how it changes along the various steps of the journey, it makes such a giant impact on your life particularly if you're raised Mormon for any period of time, it really has its tendrils in every part of your identity. And so when you leave it, or if you're considering leaving it, there is so much to navigate, so much to unpack. There's so much loss. Many people, myself included, feel a lot of betrayal and hurt and that is a significant thing that can and even should be talked about. There is this narrative, whether it's doctrine or culture, within the church that people who leave the church cannot leave it alone. And the way that 
I heard this talked about within the church is that people who leave Mormonism are somehow still so innerly tortured by the fact that it's actually true that they can't leave it alone. And so their whole life, they're trying to prove to themselves and to prove to others that it's not. I really hesitate to even give this argument the credence of a response because I find it so illogical, but it has been so hammered into my head since I was young that I feel like it even subconsciously has had a huge effect on me in getting to the point of doing this podcast. So let me just say, it's absolutely ridiculous to imagine that you can grow up Mormon and decide to leave and then go on your merry way. It makes way more sense that because the Mormon church has such an impact on who you are, on how you interact, on your world and beliefs and literally everything, it stands to reason that once you leave the church, it's going to be something that's going to take years and years, maybe even a lifetime to continue to navigate and deconstruct and unpack. And it doesn't mean that you are innerly tortured, that it's true. And now I'm thinking about that, I think it's Family Guy, because the writer of Family Guy is post-Mormon, but there's a skit where everybody gets to heaven, and they're like, who was right? And God, or the angel, or whatever, is like, it's the Mormons. And I feel like that was just the Mormon favorite for a long time. I'm going to post it on my story, because it's actually really funny. Where I'm at right now, the concept of a religion being quote true or right is really quite odd to me and yeah we'll get into all of that but next I want to get into the juicy exciting riveting story of my own leaving of Mormonism Um, I'm not sure it's that exciting, but I'm always super fascinated by other people's stories of how and why they left. So I am going to don my John DeLynn cap and tell you what that looked like for me. I feel like, man, I want to just tell my whole life story because it's all so intertwined, but I'm going to do my best just to give some broad strokes leading up to the beginning of the end. So I was raised Mormon. I would say I was your typical Mormon gal for the most part. My family was Mormon, although I will say my dad was inactive for most of my life. So there was a little bit of an unorthodox, not fitting the mold in that way. And my parents were divorced at 13 as well. Besides that, I feel like I went to church. I, you know, it's what we did. It's what I did. I was bored sometimes. I didn't always love it, but I mostly just went and I did the things that Mormon kids and teenagers do. I read the Book of Mormon and prayed about it. I would bear my testimony. I was very much a child who loved to be praised and was a bit of a perfectionist so 
I think in a big way, I wanted to be really good at being Mormon since I was a little kid and I did my best to be a good Mormon. When I was in high school, I was a bit rebellious, nothing too crazy, but my main issue was having boyfriends and making out with them too hard and having a lot of guilt and shame around all of that. But I don't really remember having any super significant issues with the church. I do remember already at that point thinking, man, like we should maybe be more inclusive or having some of those precursor thoughts, but maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. I I honestly don't remember that well. I did end up serving a mission. I got my patriarchal blessing in high school, senior year. It told me I would go on a mission. I got called to Berlin, Germany, which was actually super cool. I love Germany so much. The mission itself, I wouldn't necessarily call super cool, but again, we'll get into all of that. And on my mission, my husband, my now husband Bentley, wrote me. We had not met before, but he wrote me, introduced himself. We wrote for the last few months of my mission, got home, and were married within five months which is as insane as it sounds. He was also a return missionary and the gospel, the church was a huge part of our marriage, I would say. We were married in the temple. We both were excited to be in the church together and build a family in the church, all that jazz. I will say, I think the seeds maybe of doubt started to creep in as early as my mission. I remember getting to Germany and realizing, oh, I forgot to mention, I grew up in Provo, Utah, and I was super resistant growing up in Provo to this idea that I lived in a bubble. I was very defensive about it, but as soon as I got to Germany, I was... I remember the exact moment I stepped off the bus in my first area and realized none of these people are Mormon. None of these people probably even know what Mormonism is. And it was a really crazy shift for me to be in Germany where Mormonism isn't really a thing and even religion is a very different type of thing. So it was at that point my worldview started to expand. I started having some of these thoughts of like, how does this make sense that none of these people are Mormon, but it's true, that kind of thing. But I served a pretty normal mission. I rebelled in my little ways that I could, but mostly was just doing the thing. And then was newly married. And I feel like it was at this time, my husband and I had a really awesome, super close-knit group of friends who were in a very similar life situation to us. We, many of us were going to BYU, we were going to school, a lot of us were newly married, had temple marriages, some of us were, some of the friends were single, but we started talking, we talked a lot about the church, and it happened slowly, think frog in boiling pot of water, But I feel like we started to talk more openly, critically about the church. There was a lot going on at this time. There was the policy change where children of gay 
parents couldn't get baptized, I believe was happening, and then that got reversed. And these things were happening that were feeling really uncomfortable to all of us. And we were in a safe setting where we could talk about it. And I'm so grateful for that. I feel like we had these group sessions where we would just say, this doesn't feel right. I'm not sure about this, but this is how I'm making it work. There was maybe a lot of justification on my part about why it was okay or why it would change, but at least we were talking about it and sort of opening up more to understanding some of these issues. I would call this chapter of my journey mental gymnastics. I was doing a lot of mental gymnastics and it was making me tired and stressed out. I was doing the thing where taking that policy, for example, about children of gay parents not being able to be baptized, I was trying so hard to justify that, even though I felt really at my core that it wasn't right. And this was happening in all sorts of ways with big things in church news, with small things in my day-to-day -day life. And I was doing this game where it was like, man, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. Oh, it must be because I'm not faithful enough or I haven't been reading my scriptures or I need to be better at praying. And I would try and do those things and I still wouldn't feel good. And I was also feeling really overwhelmed and stressed out about having church callings because I was super busy and was navigating a new marriage and school and it mainly just felt like a lot of anxiety. It was also during this period of time that I started to have what I will call low-grade panic attacks attending church. I remember one specific instance I was sitting in testimony meeting, listening to people bear their testimonies, and I just started sobbing. And I had to walk out and I actually walked home and I was just crying and crying because I felt so much dissonance and so much discomfort and discord. Whoa, lots of dis words. <laughs> but I was feeling just shitty and I was so confused why I was feeling that way and I thought that it was my fault and I thought I was doing something wrong. All of these experiences this whole mental gymnastics chapter was happening all throughout college so for a good few years and I don't want to speak for Bentley I want to have him on the podcast because I think navigating this in a marriage also adds a really intriguing aspect but generally speaking I would say Bentley was going through a lot of this as well we talked a lot about it and we were really open about it so although we weren't step for step at exactly the same point, we were sort of figuring it out together. Once we graduated BYU, Bentley got a job. Bentley's my husband. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Bentley got a job in San Francisco. So we moved to San Francisco. I was working remotely and San Francisco was interesting because we found our community in this new place away from family for the first time besides our missions through the church. And I actually really enjoyed the community aspect of the church in San Francisco in a way that I hadn't ever needed or appreciated in growing up in Provo. 
And it was interesting because I remember really hoping that what everyone said about Utah Mormons was true and that Mormonism would just feel different and feel better outside of Utah. And while I do think there are definitely better cultural things, kind of maybe, outside of Utah, I ultimately remember feeling disappointed that all of that discomfort, all of the doctrines that felt bad and wrong and all of it essentially felt the same. And if anything in San Francisco, I feel like there was an interesting perspective that we were in this worldly city and therefore as Mormons we had to be even more different, even more dedicated, even more orthodox and kind of conservative in our beliefs and that felt really sad and unfortunate to me. This is the chapter of my journey where I was I'm gonna stay because deep down I think the core doctrine is true but I am going to make a change from within and I'm going to be the person that helps the church grow into what it needs to be and I would raise my hand in Relief Society and make comments like one time we were talking about the atonement and it kind of started being discussed that the atonement can cure like depression and stuff and I raised my hand and was like yeah you know I do think we need to caveat that and say it's really important to also go to therapy and get on medication if needed and that didn't seem so insane to say but I remember feeling at least like no one in the room knew how to respond or that seemed like some sort of challenge to the atonement and everyone was sort of like blink blink blinking and not knowing what to do But nevertheless, I persisted. We were in San Francisco for a year and a half up until the pandemic, and I was asked to give a talk, and I fully gave a talk where I said, I don't really know what I believe, but I think God loves us, and talked about love. So I was doing that sort of thing. While that was happening, we were also starting to make lifestyle changes for the first time, Um, I took an edible, maybe that's the only lifestyle change, but we, that was a big deal for me that we had used weed and we were kind of dipping our toes just a little bit in that kind of stuff, considering drinking alcohol, that sort of thing. The other thing happening at this time is I did read the CES letter and letter to my wife. I feel like these are excellent tools. I'm really glad I read them. I don't feel like for me they were like the nail in the coffin. There was a lot in both of them that I feel like I had heard about and knew about. Strangely enough, going to BYU, they're really good at bringing up these hot button historical issues, but then having a really ready-made rebuttal. So you kind of feel like, oh, I know. Like, I know about polygamy. I know about the discrepancies in the Book of Mormon. But I also know why it's all right and true anyway. And reading the CES letter, letter to my wife, was impactful to get more of a full historical picture. And also, 
although I knew a lot of the things that were talked about, reading it all in one single place was really different. And it exposed to me the level of dissonance I was encountering on a case-by-case basis. And it was more difficult to do that when everything was in one place. When COVID happened, we weren't attending church because we couldn't. We did do Zoom church, kind of, but slowly tapered off with that. And this was the phase where we were kind of, Bentley and I were kind of looking at each other like, damn, are we really going to leave the church? This is crazy. But we felt that that's where we were or where we were headed But we didn't feel, because of COVID, there was no real rush, I guess, to make a decision. We were just slowly going that way. We were talking about it, thinking about it, and that went on for a long time, where things were slowly just headed in that direction, I would say. And because it happened so slowly... I don't know if there was a super significant moment of like, we are done, but one experience that does come to mind that I would call my realization that I was going to leave the church for good is when we moved back to Utah. So after a year and a half in San Francisco, halfway during COVID, we moved back to Utah and we moved back for IVF. I was doing infertility treatments, which... I also want to get more into that with my faith because I think that had a significant impact on my faith as well. But we were in Utah. We were at our friend's house, Jacqueline, the one I mentioned before, and her husband, Zach. And we were all chatting in their kitchen and we were talking about the church. And up to this point, I had been saying, yeah, the church I don't think is completely true but I feel like it will always in some way be a part of my life and I just hadn't fully come to terms with the fact that I wouldn't be a member of the church my whole life like I had always imagined but as we were having this conversation I realized I can go to church as an adult and I can listen to the messaging and I can discern and pick and choose what I feel like is resonant or right, but I cannot bring children to church who are young and have them sit and listen to what's said and then take them home and say, oh yeah, so you know that thing, that's actually not right, that's homophobic, oh but this thing is good about love and about service. It just doesn't work that way with kids and when I had that realization, it was this joint realization that I'm not going to go to church without my kids. And why would I even want to go to a church where I had to do that myself anyway? And I just realized, wow, I'm not going to go back to church probably ever again. That to me was the really crystallizing moment in understanding that the church is not something that I wanted for my future children. And in turn, it wasn't something that I wanted for myself. Woof. I was getting a little hoarse, still kind of am, so sorry about that, but I took a lunch break. In full disclosure, I watched some Love Island, and I think I'm going to pause the story there for today. If you have stuck with me to this point, thanks for listening. 
I genuinely mean that. It has felt very cathartic personally to lay this all out for myself, which I've never really done, and to be sharing publicly and be listened to feels really nice as well. So I really do appreciate it. Next week, I'm going to pick up where I left off and... I think in a big way, when you decide to leave the church, that's where the story actually begins. It's a new life in a lot of ways. There's so much to figure out. There's so much to work through. And I'll talk through all of that next time. If you have any thoughts, any questions, please find me on Instagram at Girls Camp Podcast. Uh, DM me, comment. And if you liked the podcast in any capacity you know where I'm going with this. Please like, rate, review, smash that subscribe button. It would mean the world to me as a fledgling little podcast if you would do any of those things and share. If you do, I will send whatever divine power you believe in to shower blessings abundantly upon you. But I'll probably be doing that anyway. Have a good week. G-I-R